Hello and welcome to this episode of Rob Gold, Golden Nugget, uh, featuring football chat and wrestling chat. Obviously we will be going over the predictions of the Premier League results as always because we do have a special midweek section of football matches this week in the Premier League which were all on Amazon Prime as well. So and there's still two matches to go which are this evening. So I will have the predictions for those. I have the results down as well from the matches from Tuesday and Wednesday. And, that, and I've also had the predictions written down as well from those matches. So I will be going into them right now. So first of all, we have Wolves versus Burnley at Molyneux. And Wolves, they say at home, their home record has been pretty good this season. Uh, Burnley... As I say, they're starting to play a bit better now, and that you know they're getting really picking up a result here and there. But this one, I honestly predicted a Wolves win. Wolves, I thought, would be too strong for them at home, and my prediction was right. But they were only just as a one one nil winners. And then we go on to the Luton and Arsenal game, which turned out to be a more entertaining game than first thought. Um, I predicted an Arsenal away win. And it did end up an Arsenal away win, but only, again, only just. But not only just, the match itself was a really entertaining game, which is one that you wouldn't have thought, okay, yes, Luton drew against Liverpool a few weeks ago, but you wouldn't have thought that Arsenal's defence would have been that leaky against a team like Luton, you know? And for Luton to give Arsenal a really good game and, and take them to the limit, it took them, it took Arsenal a 97th minute winner to win the game. And yet there was only 96 minutes, there was only 6 minutes of added on time in that match. And then Arsenal went on to win. Arsenal won the game 4-3 with Declan Rice scoring the, the last-minute winner, which was the last kick of the game. Then we move on to Brighton versus Brentford. So I had this down as a draw. And as I say, even with it being a, a bad Brighton, I thought to myself, you know, Brentford should give them a good game here. And they did, um, to a degree. Um, but, the, but the game itself, um, as I say, finished Brighton 2, Brentford 1. Then we move on to Palace against Bournemouth. Now, Palace against Bournemouth, I thought, with this being at home, Palace should come out a bit stronger here in this game. But I was wrong. As Bournemouth came out 2-0 winners away from home, which was a very, very big win for them away from home. Puts, it gets them more points added on, which some people may not expect on that, especially when you're away to Crystal Palace. Then we move on to Fulham against Nottingham Forest. This game, I thought, okay, yes, this should be a home win. But I thought it would have been a lot of, a lot closer, the scoreline, at least. Where Fulham went and won the game five goals to nil. So it helped them boost their goal difference up. And goal difference in football, especially in the Premier League, is... Very important to get. Then we move on to Sheffield United, who were under new manager, um, and Chris Wilder. He returned to the club after the sacking of their former manager, and that after the last round of fixtures, and they faced Liverpool, a Brazilian, and it was it wasn't an easy game to judge because when you're playing against someone who is under a new manager they want to play well for their for them and they want to you know succeed as a team under that manager they did certainly they did have their chances before Liverpool actually took the lead but just couldn't take them and that um obviously with Kelleher and Nets you know deputizing for Allison who is still out with an injury at the minute but he's due back within the next week or two but it was Liverpool who did take a lead through Virgil van Dijk with a volley from a corner. And that 
in the first half then Liverpool as I say they couldn't see the game right but what happened but as I say towards the end of the game a couple you know the, 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 let's see they were able to see it out as such you know by like you know just you know keeping possession making Sheffield United you know not you know work for the ball type of thing and that and to be able to do that away to Sheffield United it's not an exactly an easy feat to do especially under a new manager and that even though Newcastle put seven past them earlier in the season this would have been a slightly different Sheffield United team because obviously under a new manager as I say but then Liverpool with basically almost the last kick of the game with about a minute to go of out of time uh, Nunes made a really good tackle which Sheffield United honestly they thought that they should have had a free kick but it was a really good tackle it was from the side Nunes came in sweeped the ball away from the Sheffield United player won the ball back set up Dominic Sobosly who put the ball into the top right hand corner as in the top corner or top right hand corner of the goalkeeper and sealed a three point for Liverpool on a 2 0 win, which was predicted. I predicted Liverpool win. And we move on to Aston Villa versus Manchester City. Now, this one, I honestly believed it could have went. I took this for a draw, but I was really pushing for a Villa win because Aston Villa, their home form has been phenomenal over the past sort of season and a half. And they could have actually made it more than just a 1 0 win in this game. Um, Man City did have their chances, but Aston Villa had created quite a few themselves. And like I say, they did hit the post as well, like later on as well, which would have, you know, which would have definitely sealed the deal. But that win from Aston Villa puts them ahead of Man City in third place. As it stands, Liverpool are in second place, two points off Arsenal. And Arsenal are still top of the table going into the next round of fixtures. Now, saying that, we do have this weekend's fixtures coming up as well, which I will be doing live predictions as we go because, like I say, we do have, um, as I say, the normal set of fixtures uh, starting this weekend. And that which will be predicted uh, live on it live as this recording is happening so only games that we we don't know about so far from this week so far as in the ones that are happening today are everton versus newcastle and spurs versus west ham but before i get into those matches i will put i will put down my prediction what i had from, from the Manchester united chelsea game so i predicted this one for Manchester united to get the home win i thought you know, United are start, starting, you know, after November. They were one of the most fun teams in the Premier League. And I thought, with that being said, you know, Chelsea, yes, they've been scoring goals enough, but, you know, I think that's starting to wee dry up a wee bit. But I thought to myself, okay, you know, you've had, you had the games against City, the game against Spurs. And that and then coming up against United, I thought they would just fall a wee bit short of this game, in which they actually did so. But um I say obviously Manchester United took the lead through uh, McTominay. And then Chelsea responded with an equalizer from Cole Palmer. And then Manchester United took the lead uh, with McTominay again scoring and the match finishing two one to Manchester United but also in the game Manchester United also missed the penalty from Bruno Fernandes and that was the keeper made a save and but the game finished 2-1 to Manchester United so I uh, so as I say the Everton and Newcastle's game Spurs and West Ham game which haven't happened yet as they are happening this evening for the Everton Newcastle's game I might be crazy saying this but I'm even though this is at Goodison Park I'm predicting a draw for this game I think I do think Newcastle could be stronger than Everton. I do. I really do think so. But I just think Everton, as I say, they're still fighting to get points, and they did come away with the win against Forest last time out. So I think, with that being said, I think Everton could do the business here against Newcastle. But it's so tight to call, even if it's in Park. So that's why I went for the draw. Spurs against West Ham. I do believe this one. It's a London derby. 
it should be a lot closer than it sounds. But it's the way Spurs have been playing. Spurs, obviously, you know, as I say, drawn against Man City recently there. Obviously, that was their first kind of points in the couple of, past couple of games. So it's their sort of corner starting to turn a wee bit. And, uh, you know, so obviously with that performance that they had against Man City, will that play in the West Ham's favour a bit? Or will West Ham, you know, get a win, get the win here? So that's why I put down the match. Spurs, I think, are going to be too strong for West Ham. So I'm predicting a home win. So that is the round of fixtures that, that will conclude tonight. And I will now go into the predictions for this weekend set of fixtures. And they start on Saturday, half 12 kickoff between Crystal Palace and Liverpool, which is on TNT Sports. And I do believe that Liverpool will pick up the win. Again, I think Crystal Palace, I don't think they have any... The way their form is at the minute, I just can't see them getting too many. I mean, their home form, you would expect it to be good, but it's they're very inconsistent. So they are in that. But I can just see, I can't see anyone winning this by Liverpool. I really can't. And then the next set of fixtures we have uh, Brighton versus Burnley, which is the first of the, of the three o'clock kickoffs. Again, Brighton. Obviously picking up the win there against Brentford there and Burnley obviously coming off another away defeat. Um even though it was a slender one. I do believe that Brighton with being at, with it being at home, I think Brighton again will have too much for Burnley. And um, so I think this one will be will go down as a Brighton win. Then we move on to the next of the three o'clock kickoffs, which is Manchester United versus Bournemouth. If I'm honest, I think this one's going to be a closer, closer affair than most people think. So do because obviously Bournemouth picking up a win against Crystal Palace there recently, and that and they are scoring goals. Bournemouth and that and their rec, their record for not conceding many goals is actually quite quite good, quite good this season. So I feel that Bournemouth could get something from this game. So I am going to go for a draw at Old Trafford between. Manchester United and Bournemouth. Then we go on to Sheffield United at home. They take on Brentford. And what will be an interesting game because, like I say, obviously Brentford, obviously, you know, as I say, they got beat by, by Brighton away from home. Obviously, Sheffield United got beat by Liverpool at home under the manager. But I think. These are the types of games that Sheffield United should be looking to, to get points from, and, and still and under the you know managers, under a new manager as such, you know second game in he's just getting to know the team again. I think this will be a closer match than the Liverpool game that they had with, them with them, and based on Brentford's recent result against Brighton. You know, this one's going to be, it's, it's close to be, they're going to be a home run or a draw. So I'm going to give this one a draw. Then we move on to Wolves against Forest again. This one here could be closer than expected, even though Forest got hammered by Fulham. Um, again, obviously Wolves at home um, in this game. I would expect Wolves' home form to take them over the line in this fixture. But again, it's going to be a tricky game. Forest can play well, and I know they can play well. So I've seen them playing well, but they just haven't been getting the right results, and that this season. So in some of the matches that they've had, 
but I believe that they can score. But Wolves sometimes just don't seem to score enough, even at home. Obviously, Wolves did beat Manchester City not that, not, not that long ago. So, because of that, you know, you think you would have thought the momentum would have been with Wolves. It's at home. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to Wolves here. So, I'm going to go for a home win in this match. Forest, I do know who can play well, who can get results as well. But I just feel that this one is just too out of the depth. Now, this one is a really big game. Because and it's not a, it's not a game that you would have considered a big game at the start of the season when you th you know when you sort of mentioned Aston Villa versus Arsenal. Now this is a big game for many reasons. Yes, it's, a, it's still real. Well, it's not really early in the Premier League season, and really because you're coming close to the halfway stage in the, in the season. Based on that. You know, you will have games like this, you know, going into the season. Obviously, you had Manchester City against Liverpool, where it was kind of like second against third. You kind of thought the teams would, they would take points off each other, which they did. This game here, I can't see, after the match that Arsenal had against Luton, I can't see Arsenal putting four past Aston Villa. I can see Arsenal playing well enough in this match. I really can. But I just feel that Aston Villa have... I don't know. They just have that bit of... Now, they would have put a bit more energy into the game against Man City there yesterday. Which they did. But with this being at home for Aston Villa, I just think that they have enough in the tank to beat Arsenal. But Arsenal have enough to get goals in them as well. So this one's going to be a tough one to call. Um, as a Liverpool fan, I would rather have Aston Villa win this game to take more points off of, off of Arsenal as long as Liverpool can get the victory against Crystal Palace because that would help them. And that. So for that reason, I'm going. I'm rooting for a home win for Arsenal. Or sorry, for Aston Villa, sorry, should I say. In that, in that game. Then we move on to Sunday's fixtures which are as follows so we've got a few two o'clock kickoffs three two o'clock kickoffs in all so we have everton who obviously they play newcastle this evening at goodison park and again they're at home against chelsea which is another tricky game and that but in that one if i'm honest even though chelsea got beat yesterday by manchester united i thought to myself you know what because chelsea can can play football and that and they can score goals i would say chelsea will probably pick up the victory against everton if i'm honest but i know everton are fighting so hard to try and get more points on the board from the points that they've lost and um, due to the ffp rule ruling as such um which they have appealed but we don't know what the outcome is going to be yet from that um, so for that reason, I'm going to go for a Chelsea win. And then we move on to Fulham versus West Ham. Another London derby for, for West Ham to contain. And again, for this one, this one is a really close game, even though it's at Fulham. West Ham, again, can sucker punch teams on the counter. And that Fulham's a tough place to go to. Smaller, smaller sort of you know, smaller, smaller ground, smaller pit. Do you know I mean so? This one, I couldn't. I can see West Ham taking three points, but I can also see it finishing a draw. So because of that, I'm going to go for the away win for West Ham, just to be different. Luton versus Manchester City. Now this one, based on the Arsenal game, this one is going to be a lot closer in my mind than first thought of. Because of the fact that Luton scored three, yes, they conceded four, which kind of is expected to a point. Because you, I honestly thought to myself, like, you know, 
you know, not really going to do much. But then when I seen the score, I was like fourth, it was like three three, with like you know, like literally with like the last kick of the game, and then Arsenal win at four three. Man City's defense can be breached, but will Luton want to attack it? That's the question. If Luton can attack it, then why not? Why not for Luton to score? Do you know what I mean? Like the, like I say, the managed to score three against Arsenal, and Arsenal's defense is usually better than that. It's very, very rarely is do you see Arsenal's defense breached three times. It's five team of Luton's caliber, and that now no disrespect to Luton, because obviously Luton have only just came up to the Premier League, and obviously they've done well to get as far as have done so far, and that and I can definitely see them stand up for this season. But I think the Man City game might just be too much for them. Now, I can see this game going one way with Man City winning it. I can see them winning it where it's maybe only 2 like it's 2 0 or 2 1. I can see it being a close game. But I would not, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for something strange to happen in this game. Because you look at the Luton Liverpool game, you would expect the Liverpool to have gotten the three points there. You would have expected Arsenal to get the three points, which they did, but only just. But Man City, you think with the squad of players that they have, you know, being able to change between, you know, whoever the you know, basically whoever they want when they're when they're fit and ready. But this game with Luton, the thing about it is Luton's a smaller squad of players as such. You know, so do they have it in their depth to change personnel and keep the same momentum going? Like they need to keep their heads up from the Arsenal game and continue and go at Man City. If they go at teams the way they have done so far at home, I can't see why they can't get something against Man City. I really can't because if you go at Man City, because Man City are starting to be found out now, and this is something that was brought up by Gary Neville as well too, and, and other pundits. Man City are looking as if they're too easy to play against now. You know, you've got Spurs looked at them. Could have got more from the game. If it hadn't been for individual errors in the Spurs game, Spurs would have walked away with the three points. Man City can talk about the refereeing decision all they want whenever you know Grealish was through towards the end of the match. But what you have to think about, the referee was in his right to call it back. He played the advantage first of all. Yes, that's fair enough. But once Haaland had released the ball and how far the ball was in front of Grealish, Grealish wasn't exactly in total control of the ball because the play had stopped. Had the play continued, would the defender have gotten back to him? It could be likely, but you won't know because the play didn't run on right through. Do you know what I mean? So, But the referee was right to make the call on the basis of that. Once Haaland had the ball, he's passed it through. He's, he's wriggled through the challenge. The referee's played on. He's knocked the ball forward, but then he's brought the play back. That's There's nothing wrong with that call. People say, like, oh, we should have just played on. He did play on for the split side, because if he had played on further, and Grealish didn't do anything with that ball, he couldn't have called it back for a free kick. Do you know? And that's the thing people don't, you know, they don't really look at in general. By sort of like going like okay, he should have played him through. He should have like let the play go through, because he would have been one on one with the keeper. But that's the thing, Grealish wouldn't have been one on one with the keeper. He'd still a good fifty yards to to make to get towards the goal. And by that stage, the 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 uh, the Spurs defender defender could have got back in time. Yeah, he was onside, but he and he, but, you know what I mean. So. But as I say, at the end of the day, I think what Hallam was more frustrated was, yes, he was frustrated at that. But, but Hallam, how, how often do you see Hallam miss from five yards out? Very, very rarely. Very, very rarely. Do you know what I mean? And he had chances as well. 
do you know what I mean? And he didn't take them. So, if I'm honest, he's only himself to blame. He can't be blaming a referee because at the end of the day, if he had it done his job and put the ball in the back of the net, you wouldn't be talking about the referee's decision at the end of the game. Do you know what I mean? So, based on that, Man City should be fired up for this game because they need to get back on winning ways. Otherwise, they could see their league title slipping away a bit. Even this close. Now, yes, there's still a long way to go. Because, you know what I mean? Because, yes, Arsenal are only five or five points ahead of Man City. But what City have to look for now is the fact that Liverpool are now three points. I think it's three or four points clear. City, let me see. Give me two, let me see. So Liverpool are currently four points clear of Man City. City are actually six points clear. Or City are actually six points behind Arsenal with the same games played and that so like the losses that City have picked up recently and that and even the draw against Spurs and that do you know what I mean it's gonna take it's gonna be interesting that's for sure but the fact that City have already, are, already, are, are already six points behind top spot and they're already four points off second spot as well. And the way Liverpool are playing at the minute, they're a tough nut to crack. And Arsenal, I can see Arsenal slipping up because don't forget, and, and City too, because you've got the Champions League. Yes, there's, there's like still one game left in each group and things like that for most of them. But what you have to understand is once like that finishes, You've got the rest of December to worry about. Now, Man City can put out whoever they want in their last match. They don't need, because at the end of the day, they've got, they've got top spot. they secured qualification into the, into the knockout stages. But what they have to understand is, is the fact that, like, with this run of matches coming up, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, going forward and that and let me see is there fixtures this week Champions League yeah there is indeed yeah so this is the last round of fixtures before Christmas and then we'll restart again around February time give or take so because of that because of those results that Man City have had and because of Luton's home form I'm going to put this as a draw between Luton and Manchester City, which I think is a realistic thing to happen. Or it could be a case of Man City could actually thump Luton. It's just one of those ones that could go either way. But I think realistically speaking, this game could be a draw. Then we go on to the last game of the weekend, which is Spurs versus Newcastle. So those two teams are in action tonight it's at Spurs, Newcastle with another away game. So it's another trip down to London for them. Newcastle's form at the minute, they haven't been playing as well as they should be recently. But I can see them getting something against Spurs, or really can't. Because Spurs, if Spurs don't win here against West Ham tonight, then the game against Newcastle wouldn't just be a test for them, but it would need to be, it needs to be a win for Spurs. Spurs need to get the six points from these two games. If they're to have any chance of even fighting for the Premier League, they have to win these two games. Because at the end of the day, if they win tonight, They'll go level on points with Man City with the same games played. And if Man City did slip up against Luton and Spurs did beat Newcastle, then it's all to play for. Now, Newcastle have also, obviously, they've got a game in hand, obviously, because they played tonight as well. 
But if Newcastle were to, were to pip Everton tonight, it would actually put them on 29 points. Ahead of Manchester United. Ahead of Spurs. But again, if Spurs win, then they go ahead. They would go ahead of Newcastle. So, but if none of them win, then that would make it interesting. But Newcastle need to win for themselves. They've got a good goal difference as well, because obviously the goal difference against Sheffield United would have helped a lot whenever they won seven. Um, but Liverpool have actually got the best goal difference in the Premier League this season so far, where they're sitting on a plus 20 for goal difference. So they are, and they're sitting with 34 points, with one loss, four draws and 10 wins. Arsenal are sitting with 11 wins, three draws, one loss. And obviously, I don't want to get too much into the Liverpool's one loss because we know that was against Tottenham Hotspur, which shouldn't have happened. And that's the worst about it because if this comes to, and I've said this from the start, so any sense that's happened, that Spurs result happened. If this comes down to the wire where whoever wins, like, so if, say if Arsenal or Man City or whoever's top, if they win it by a point clear from Liverpool, now when I say a point clear, as in, or say for example, say say if the two teams at the top are sitting on 88 points each or whatever, for example, right? That point, and say if whoever, whoever it was on top had better, a better goal difference by the end of the season, right? Because of that one point that Liverpool should have got against Spurs, because that's what they should have got, that would have made that would have made Liverpool champions. But that's an only if. But I don't know what would happen in that situation because the Premier League have said that they've apologised for all of that. What'll happen? But that but apologies doesn't get you nothing. Apologies doesn't when you get your points back that you should have got. I mean, like there was nothing wrong with that goal. That goal should have stood, and all it should have been allowed to stand. And Liverpool would be sitting on thirty-five points, not on thirty-four, and still the only team to not be beaten in the Premier League after fifteen games as well. But in the records, it still shows that Liverpool have lost, even though they didn't. But anyway, we'll move on. Go on, and we will protect Spurs Newcastle. Still really hard to call. I'm, go I'm going to call this one on a way win because Newcastle need to win this. Spurs need to win it, but Newcastle seem to, for me, need to win it more because obviously they're further behind the likes of Manchester United and Spurs and Man City. So they need to win this. But Newcastle also need to beat Everton today. And uh, But Everton... If Everton pick up a win today, they'll actually move out of the bottom three. And that and that's including the ten point deduction that they would have had. So if you think if they didn't have that ten point deduction, currently they would be sitting on seventeen points. And a win would actually take them into the top half of the Premier League as well. It would put them on the twenty points had the ten point deduction not have happened this season. Or not have actually happened at all in a sense for them. So that is the Premier League predictions and results from the Masters during the week. Obviously, we will go over the results of Everton, Newcastle, Spurs, West Ham when we do the next episode of the podcast, which will be next week. So because this is the recording for this week's one, along with the predictions for the weekend. So moving forward, from this so obviously we are going on to game number six game week 16 this weekend and that's why we'll be writing that down so game week 16 because game week 16 because on game week after game week 19 which will be the halfway point in the premier league i will be recording a football special episode of the podcast which we will delve into how teams have performed this season so far Who's the standout performer been? And in your opinion, not just my opinion, who you think has been the standout team? Who has been the standout manager? 
who's been a standby player for each club as well. So I will be putting a poll out for this pot or that episode. And I will be putting it out very, very soon because, like I say, with the games coming in thick and fast, you've got matches this weekend, you've got and then the next set of matches are going to be the following weekend. Then you're coming up to Christmas where you've got maybe like you've got like maybe six two or three games in in the space of ten day, twelve day period before you get to the FA Cup weekend as well, which is in January. So without further ado, I will be moving on to the wrestling segment of the podcast. So we will go over a SmackDown review of what happened, as I said, last week. So obviously, from Survivor Series War Games, we'll have the return of not just, obviously, the best in the world, CM Punk, but we also have the, the Viper, the Apex Predator, Randy Orton, making his return, and making his in-ring return as well, where he helped get the victory for Team Cody Rhodes against the Judgment Day. And he looked better than ever. Mad. He came to SmackDown, was brought into SmackDown by Nick Aldis, general manager. And it was decided, because he, he had Nick Aldis, you had the general manager of SmackDown, you had the general manager from Raw there as well. And he was left, Randy Orton was left with a decision to make was he going to sign with SmackDown or was he going to sign with Raw? And in the end, he decided to sign with SmackDown. He then gave Jimmy Uso an RKO for his troubles after trying to attack him as well, along with Solo Sokoa, who LA Knight then came out and had a battle with. And then going into that with SmackDown, so you had Santos Escobar, attack Joaquin Wilde who was obviously in the, in the LWO and because of obviously what's happened with Santos recently you know having basically the heel turn back again where he obviously it attacked Ray basically he was talking about how Ray, he wished that Ray doesn't come out from surgery successfully and things like that which is terrible to say from him and then obviously Joaquin Wilde didn't take keenly to that and Santos kept attacking Joaquin Wilde but then Dragon Lee had returned and got the upper hand on Santos as well then we had a bit of a battle between Grayson Waller and Kevin Owens which Kevin Owens picked up the win we then had a battle with damage control between them and Sharp Blair, Bianca Belair and Shotzi, but then which led into a singles match between oh, yes, so yeah, so it was between Carrie Sian and Bianca Belair, Bianca Belair, and even though Bailey tried to help. Carry Sian in the match. It was Bianca Belair that picked up the W for herself, and that which was a, a momentum booster victory. Then we had Bobby Lashley taking on Butch, which Bobby Lashley picked up the win with a one hell of a spear. Then we had United States Champion, the Maverick Logan Paul, come out basically insane. That he had talked to Nick Aldez and they had came up with the idea of the crown a number one contender with an eight person tournament. So you have one person from NXT who has not been named. You have Dragon Lee, Karen Cross, Santos Escobar, and there were four others who I cannot remember the names of, um, who were in that um, eight man person uh, tournament. As such, um, which will be interesting to see, um, because I know there were Grayson Waller and I think Austin Theory was two, was the other two, along with the NXT person as well. Um, so it will be interesting to see who to call from NXT into that match for SmackDown. And obviously, with that starting next week, so are they going to have 
four matches next week where they'll feature those superstars or are they going to have them each week leading up you know to uh, you know whether it's like you know the christmas edition of smackdown or or the new year edition of smackdown i think because they always like to either kick off things big or end things big by having you know something like that going on and so yeah so with so with that being said then you had like i say you had la night brawling with solo zuko at the end of smackdown and then you had orton brawling with jimmy so hits him with the RKO, lays, lays him out in the ring, puts a contract on him, which was signed. And Randy Orton has officially declared himself a SmackDown member. So then we move on to Raw, which was from Monday, which was actually a quite a solid Raw, I have, to, I have to say. So we obviously had Drew McIntyre, who came out, and basically was sent to about Sami Zayn, how that that Sami Zayn deserved to be treated the way he was, and you know by the bloodline member. Whenever the bloodline turned on him, you know after you know what it's like. What did he expect after you turned on them? You know, kind of thing in that. And Sami Zayn fought back with, "Well, I got my redemption at WrestleMania in the main event of WrestleMania. Whenever he and Kevin Owens." won the tag team championships off the Usos. And that being said, that's a fair point. But then he then Sami Zayn made a slight dig by Senator Drew about, you know, what have you done to make your family proud? And Drew didn't take lightly to that. So that set up a match between Drew and Sami. And then as the, the match went on, Sami looked as if he was a bit of an had a bit of an injury in the match. Drew took advantage of that, hit him with a claymore, picked up the win. Then backstage, whenever they went back, Sami Zayn was, you know, went, went to go to talk, and then the next thing, Drew McIntyre out of nowhere attacked him, and that. And so we, don't, we still don't know the condition of Sami Zayn at this present time. I guess, but JSO reckons that he is he is okay, but he but they're still unsure what the condition of Sami Zayn is. Then we move on to Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, who had a one-on-one -on -one match, which Nia Jax picked up the win. But then after Nia Jax had won, picked up the win, Becky Lynch then came out and was looking basically for a fight with Nia Jax. Nia Jax basically left the ring and had basically said, not today, but maybe another time. And that, you know, when she's ready, you know. Then it was announced uh, by general manager of Raw that CM Punk will return on Monday Night Raw, and that, um, but he will be on SmackDown this week, but he will be on Monday Raw um, because he has invited CM Punk to be there, and CM Punk will be at Monday Night Raw. So then we get a two out of three falls match which was between diy versus imperium which was a really good match it's very rare you see a two out of three uh falls match on well not just on raw but anywhere really um especially in a tag team match and it's nice to see that kind of a change and match styles happening you know two out of three falls matches you know bring your triple threats back again bringing your fiddle four ways back war games matches you know all these match types coming up into play you know because you were sometimes you were getting sick and tired of just singles matches tag team matches and it was just like there was nothing really happening in them there were, it wasn't for anything that was just you know for the sake of tv purposes now you're actually getting to see matches for purposes which is good to see in my mind because as a fan it's always it's, it's nice to have change and that from from time to time it's nice to see different matches going on it's nice to see different rivalries coming into play 
you know, having the likes of JSO on on Raw, you know, and things like that, you know, having Cody on Raw, you know, having Shinsuke on it's nice to see those ones that could potentially turn into a rivalry as well, you know. And it's the same with SmackDown, obviously, yes, you've got Roman Reigns when he comes on, you've got LA Knight there, you've got Logan Paul, you've got Jimmy Uso, you've got Soul Sokol, so you've got a strong lineup on both brands as well. Which is good to see because sometimes before you weren't really getting that that right balance, you know. Sometimes you were having maybe Raw was full too full with some with super, a lot of superstars who were all good quality superstars, and SmackDown was just basically a B show. But SmackDown's not SmackDown to me is not a B show. It's a second show of the week. That's what it is. Well, basically you've got NXT as well. But it's always been the second show of the week. Even though NXT is before that each week now, for me it's still always the second show because. But with NXT being thrown in there now, you know you've got mixed matches now, kind of thing. Even on NXT, where you're getting the likes of Dominic Mysterio going over from Smart from Raw onto the likes of NXT and things like that, defending the North American Championship and things like that. But now, because of what happened to Wesley, what's going to happen with the North American Championship with Dominic Mysterio? Because he was set to defend it against Wesley at the next NXT um, Premium Live event as such. Um, but he will now have to face a new challenger for the North American Championship, which will be interesting to see as well. Um, so, yeah, so then moving on in, on Raw. From, so obviously from so a two or three ball match, DIY picked up the victory overall, uh, where, and then you had Kaden uh, Chance as their tag team partner against Natalia and Tegan Knox, and a, and a decent enough tag team match, and that where Kaden Chance picked up the victory by pinning Natalia after her partner hit Tegan Knox with a super kick. And that and pick up the victory for her team. Then Cody Rhodes came out and talked about Shinsuke Nakamura's sneak attack with the poison mist from last week on Raw. He then basically was sort of saying, you know, about how you know he doesn't basically doesn't want any more games with Shinsuke. He just wants Shinsuke to come out, be some like a man, go one on one. And another video package came up with Shinsuke Nakamura saying how how I like their paths are and have been and they have to a point you know obviously Shinsuke winning the Royal Rumble you know one year and then Cody Rhodes winning another going on to WrestleMania only to fall short respectively to both AJ Styles and to both Roman Reigns and because of this this has led to Raw General Manager Adam Pearce officially announcing that next week on Raw, not only will you have CM Punk being on Raw, you will have a match set up between Shinsuke Nakamura and the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, set for next week on Raw. So that does leave into the matches that were on Raw, last match was on Raw. So obviously, so you had. Another tag team match which featured North American champion, actually North American champion in Dominic Mysterio and the Irish ace JD McDonough, who were faced off against the Creed Brothers. The Creed Brothers, obviously, that are the number one contenders for the tag team championship, which the judgment they obviously hold between Finn Balor and Damian Priest. But they, and Priest was there, but but Finn and Rhea Ripley were not in attendance on Raw. But the Creed brothers put, showed why they are the number one contenders because they picked up a very, very good win, a very big win in their in their early careers as well against Team of Dominic Mysterio and JD McDonough. And yes, people will be saying like, yes, JD McDonough is kind of new to WWE, but he's not new to wrestling. Do you know what I mean? It's the same with Dominic Mysterio. He's only been in wrestling for 
you know, he'd been in WWE for a couple of years, you know, wrestling now. But the fact that, you know, they've both been there now for, you know, well, Dominic Mysterio has been basically there since all his, all his life, but pretty much, do you know what I mean? Um, JD McDonough, obviously, people know him on the independent scene. And that, if you didn't see it, check it out. He done a very good interview with Jay Rush from the Irish Wrestling Podcast as well. Um, check that out. It is on YouTube as well. Um, a shout out to that. Um, and a shout out to JD McDonald. A shout out to Jerry Rush for getting that um, done as well. And that. And also um, on that, we also had as a main event for Monday Raw was for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship between Champion Seth Rollins and Challenger Jay Uso. Main event. So, and while on the subject of main event JSO, so there's been a report came through just after Raw, basically, that JSO can no longer use Yeet. Apparently, it is used by someone else, and apparently, it's been trademarked by this person. So, apparently, they, they so any of the merchandise they have to literally take off the shelves, um, which obviously they would have made a lot of. And now they're going to have to, do you know what I mean? So why did they not look into that beforehand? Because surely that is one thing that you would have done before me when they did But you need you need to look at all these loopholes and things like that to see is that phrase out there? Is has somebody else used it? Is somebody else trademarking it before you go to put it on t-shirts and stuff like that? Putting it on, you know, boards, you know, things and that. But if it's not allowed to be in in the arena, then you know, I mean, people are still going to chant that that's a thing. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, so yes, so the main event, World Heavyweight Championship on the line between Seth Rollins and Jay So it was a great start, it was a very, very good match. Um, and then Seth, as I say, retained it by Jay So looking to go for a spear, was caught with pedigree. Then Seth caught him with a curb stomp and one, two, Three. And then after the match sounded off, Drew McIntyre again came out of nowhere and attacked JSO after the match, laid him flat down, and Seth went to protect Jay a wee bit. But then for his troubles, got a belly to belly, and that was basically how Raw was left. So let me know, folks, what your thoughts on Raw were. Um, and the previous episode of SmackDown, obviously SmackDown will air this Friday night, obviously early or Saturday morning on TNT Sports for those that watch it in the UK and Ireland. And for those who obviously watch it in the States, obviously it's going to be on different time for your zones. Um, but yeah, um, so that does conclude the Raw SmackDown review portion of this um, I want to also say so yes so we do have some up-and-coming shows for the Irish wrestling scene coming up so those shows that are coming up so we've got NLW which features a show which is on Friday which is so that would be on the Eighth, I think, I believe, Friday. If I remember correctly, which would, which would be the eighth. And then you have NLW hosting. They've got a show this weekend as well down in Nice, which is officially uh, just double checking that to make sure it gets right of that. Um, one second before. I officially say what it is. I'm not sure that's what it is, but I just want to double check. So, okay, so it's still in there. Okay. Yep, so the sold out show, which is for the 23rd of December, but I could have swore blind that there was one in this. 
Sunday, 23rd of December. So, yes, yeah, so that's so 23rd of December. I'm not sure where the 9th of December came from for that. But I thought there was one uh, earlier than that. Uh, yeah. Yep, so the twenty third yep, so the twenty third of December is the next NLW show, which is Saturday, which has now been sold out. And that's so it's definitely the twenty third of December. And Fight Factory is they have their show um on Saturday, um, which is a change as they normally have it on a Friday. And that and RCW also have their show down in Cork as well. This weekend. Also, 16th OTT Complex, Dublin, Ireland, for, for that one. Then Belfast Christmas Party Show, 17th. Tickets are still available um, for those shows. The only ones that are not available for is obviously for the NLW show on the 23rd, as they are sold out. Um, and they should be all good shows. So I want to just go over a quick review, basically of the, the recent Hard Knock show that I was that I was at as well. So the Hard Knock show, as I say, which was unmatched, where friends were rivals for the night, which started off with Kian Noonan open challenge, which started the which started the night, and. We had a very, very surprise. Actually, did that start tonight? Well, we don't know if I can't remember if that started the night, but we know that was that, that was one of the matches that happened that night. So we had Keenan Noon, who came out and basically issued an open challenge to anyone who wanted to take him on. Then we heard some music being played. Then the next thing, the video package came on. Uh, just happened to be that a thatched Terry Thatcher making his return to Hard Knocks Pro Wrestling to take on Keenan and what was one a hell of a match. Then we had Steve Savage with a hardcore challenge, which was answered by Francis Mercer, and this was one hell of a match. Even if you're not into your hardcore kind of matches, this was a hell of a match to watch. So it was. Now the thing about it is with, with, with Hard Knocks, so this show that was on wasn't recorded, so you had to be there to watch it. Then Big Boots Murphy, which from what I can remember was actually the first match from the Hard Knocks show, from what I can remember. He defended his Hard Knocks All-Ireland Championship against Renzo Rose, in which Renzo had attacked Big Bruce Murphy's knee and attacked his leg, and that set up Renzo Rose to force Big Bruce Murphy to tap out to a submission move, which Renzo did, and became the new Hard Knocks All-Ireland Championship. Then we did have one of the first unmatched matches of the night, which was the team of Dirty Nicky teamed up with CJ West. And they took on the team of The Sam and Bittersweet Josh. And again, you had to be there to see it, but it was not just a really good match, but it was really fun entrance with the Sam and Bittersweet Josh. And because you're not going to get to see that, what happened was Bittersweet Josh had the Sam kind of clothing, the paintwork, and that. It was, it was great. It was really well done. Then you also, as one of the other matches that you had that was a mixed up one, had the team of Gallicini and Martin Steers teaming up to face Axel Jarrett and Fabio. 
Now, there was a bit of an added stipulation to this. So basically, the winning team, whoever won this match, the two superstars from this would be entered into the Golden Ticket Tournament, which is for a chance to become the number one contender for the Hard Knocks Championship. Then, as the interval had, well, had, was coming to an end as such, Chris Connolly came into the ring and attacked crew members, who was then brought to the fore by Robbie Mack, plus, as I say, one of the crew members then sort of done a, a sort of a satellite DDT on a Chris Connolly, and Robbie Mack hit him with Rolling Thunder and then a moonsault and the, the ring got cleared from that. Then we move on to the main event, which was for the Hard Knocks Championship. Again, there was no matches announced prior to the show. So that was, so they were all being kept under wraps and they were all kept for that night. Which which made it a lot different. And it made it a lot better, and I would love for this show to be that kind of a show where if it's going to be their last show of the year, to do it in that way. Because I think the way they've done it was perfect. You know, you had teams going up against each other who, you know, like I say, they were, you know, they are friends, but they're, and they're, and they're partners, but they were going up against each other from their other from the teams that they, were, they would normally be in. And that, um, I thought that was a really good concept, really good idea. And I think going forward, that would be a really good one to continue that with going into next year. So you could have called, you could call it on match two. You know, yes, it's not not very original, but that would be kind of like it would be like an almost like an annual event that they would do. And you could, you know, they could call it on match two where again similar stipulations for the matches where you know in one of the tag team matches you could have whoever you know like i say whoever wins one of these matches becomes a number one contender and um, for you know it could be the, the all-ireland championship could be for the hard knocks championship or depending on the team if it's a man and a woman it could be number one contendership for both the Hard Knocks Championship and say like the All-Ireland Championship in one match and that would be a hell of a stipulation to add or you could even have it for a tag team championship match yeah. so yeah so there we go um, but yeah so you had Sammy D defending the championship against a challenger who was not named but did come out and his name was the Suplex Machine Scotty Davis and the match went everywhere it literally went everywhere it was a really good match and um, very back and forth at one point you thought Scotty was going to was going to win it and that and then all of a sudden out of nowhere bam super kick from Sammy D package pile driver for the win one two three to send the fans home happy merry christmas but then there was a twist right at the end of the show where the the, the thatch terry thatcher came out and uh not only just came out but he brought something with him which was the old hard knocks championship because don't forget people terry thatcher had never lost his hard knocks championship he was forced to relinquish the championship due to injury and that's why there was they were the hard knocks were forced into making a new champion and then that champion his name is semi d so it looks very likely that at the next Hard Knock show, it's going to be champion versus champion, title versus title, winner take all, to become 
the undisputed Hard Knocks heavyweight champion between Terry Thatcher and the Snake, the leader of the draw, Sammy D. And for those who don't know who, who the draw is or what the draw is, so basically the draw is a group that was brought together on, on OTT, which is formed by Sammy D, which is which contains Jay, Adam Maxted, worth every pound Charlie Sterling, and now it also includes B Cool. So that folks that wraps up the hard knocks review. Um as I say next episode that I will be doing will be for next week, which won't be recorded until over the weekend at least. Um you're probably talking Sunday, probably one. So that does conclude this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. And as I say, for those that do listen to the show and that, I appreciate you taking your time to listen to this. And if there's one thing that you don't already do that I want you to do for me, and that is to acknowledge me. Thank you.